You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. So today we're, uh, we're starting a new series called Turning the Page, and uh, before we get to that, I want to say two things. First of all, a big thank you. So many, uh, we had uh, close to 40 people out yesterday just working all over the property, so thank you to everyone. Came out, and uh, we thought it was going to rain, but it wasn't. It was really hot, so that worked out, and it got a lot done, so thank you for that. Two, uh, the end of this month, on August the 27th and 28th, we are celebrating our 50th anniversary, and we would love to have you join us. We have a big banquet at Stratagos uh, on the 27th at 5 o'clock. If you want to purchase a ticket for that, you can go to connect.calvaryirwin.com, click events, and it's right there. Uh, We'd love to have you join us. We're going to be having some of our former pastors back and sharing some really cool stories and getting to celebrate what God has done over the last 50 years. But also that night, we'll be honoring some of our past Calvary Cares projects uh, because this is also the 10th anniversary of our Calvary Cares campaign and our partnership with so many organizations and ministries. So uh, it's going to be a really neat day on the 27th at Stratagos and on the 28th we're going to be celebrating, uh, kind of culminating the whole weekend with a big celebration service here. So I uh, hope you guys can all join us for that. Uh, and now in the, in the uh, 900s BC, the nation of Israel had their third king on the throne. And uh, he was a king uh, that would prove to be one of the greatest kings in Israel's history and who would accomplish things that Israel had never done or would do since. And, and really even beyond that, things that would be accomplished that no king in any nation had ever accomplished. His name was Solomon. And uh, his renown across the world was pretty unmatched. Uh, not only would Israel's borders be larger than they would uh, ever be again, but also he would accumulate wealth that was pretty remarkable at the time. If you used today's dollars, his net worth would have been well over $3 trillion. Think about that. Um, in, in, in different lists that people put together of the wealthiest human beings in human history, he's generally at the top, if not near the top of those lists. He was really wealthy. Uh, this man had accomplished everything uh, a king could have imagined accomplishing. He built large, impressive buildings. He had acquired anything and everything he could have dreamed of or desired. He had the largest following across the world. If, if they had TikTok and Instagram at that time, he would have been one of the top influencers of his day. People would travel from all over the world just to sit under him and to hear his wisdom and his insight on all different topics. He literally had it all. He wasn't chasing the dream. He was living the dream. And yet, with all of his wisdom, with all of his wealth, with all that he accomplished and all that he had done right, I want to share with you today how I think with one statement he made, at least, that Solomon was wrong. Now, I know, who am I, to say that one of the wisest, wealthiest men in history was wrong, but stick with me for a minute, uh, because I uh, am certain he couldn't have been more wrong. Now, near the end of Solomon's life, he would write out his thoughts in a book uh, of insights uh, on all that he experienced throughout his life. This book would eventually be included in the Hebrew Torah, and today is included in what we know as the Old Testament portion of the Bible. The book is called Ecclesiastes. It's a collection of his thoughts and his observations about his long, what most would consider successful life. What's kind of surprising about the book is that it's not the most uplifting or inspiring book you'll read. He often speaks with a sense of apathy and cynicism about all of his experiences. 
Now, I'm, I'm sure many of us can relate to why he might be doing this. Uh, see, while he had accomplished a lot, he realized two things about his life. And near the end of his life as he wrote uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. Number one, that the gold at the end of the rainbow doesn't do for you what you often think it will. While more money or stuff can buy you happiness, oftentimes that happiness is fleeting. He had achieved nearly every dream imaginable, but he realized the pursuit of more was a hollow pursuit. And, and, and that is incredibly disenfranchising when you've spent your entire life pursuing it. And number two, accomplishment had a personal cost that he wasn't sure had been worth paying. He had achieved so much, but in striving to achieve, he had made a lot of sacrifices and mistakes that carried with them lingering consequences that he had written off as a young man, but now as an older man, was regretting, and they were starting to catch up to him. I'm so grateful when I read the Bible, when I walk through scripture. I'm so grateful that the Bible doesn't just have all the warm and fuzzy stories and things that make me feel better, but I'm thankful that it has raw, real emotion and human experience. Uh, that, that, that we can find uh, really what we walk through in life present in this book we call the Bible. And, and that leads me to the statement that Solomon makes that I believe is totally wrong. It's a statement that actually becomes, uh, that's actually become pretty common. You may have actually repeated it yourself. And, and uh, it's almost a cliche statement now. Most people don't even know that Solomon was the one that uh, wrote it. And it's contained in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We'll read it here in verse 9. Here's what it says. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. Here it is. There is nothing new under the sun. Maybe you've heard that statement. Uh, now, let me explain why I think this uh, statement is off by telling you uh, something a little bit about myself. <clears throat> I'm a really odd person, and uh, some of you are nodding. <clears throat> it's okay. You're allowed to. Uh, uh, Rosemary's getting excited over here. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm weird in so many ways, but one of the really odd things about me uh, that if you don't know, you're going to learn is I'm hyper-nostalgic. Like, I'm super nostalgic to a, to a fault sometimes. Like, I could sit for hours and reminisce about how things once were. I love doing that. I love hearing stories of the past, watching documentaries about the past. My wife hates it. You know, uh, she'll get our, our youngest to bed, come downstairs, and I'm watching some boring documentary. They're not boring. But um, I often wonder how special I, I just watched a documentary about the end of World War II, and I, I was thinking, like, how special would it have been to have been alive at the end of World War II and all that, uh, the fear and pain and all that had happened, what it must have been like, the joy and, and uh, uh, just excitement when that war came to an end. What it would have been like? Or, or, or uh, what an experience it must have been to uh, walk through the societal upheaval and all that was uh, accomplished and the transformation that happened in our nation uh, in America during the 1960s, or, or more personally, to be able to go back and sit under my dad's preaching one more time at our church in Latrobe. How special would this be? I absolutely love looking back. And for a period, I love living in the past. I love what this verse says, that what has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. It kind of gives me hope that I might be able to experience the best of the past for myself. But this leads me to where I think Solomon was wrong. 
Well, I love the past, and this is what's maybe odd about me. I, I love the stories of the past. I love looking back on, you know, how things once were. I equally love dreaming about the future and the possibilities of what could be. As a, as a child, I loved reading books about flying cars and all the technology that's going to be present in the future. I loved reading uh, through, my, my uncle would get me these car magazines, and I loved going through the car magazines, seeing like the, the new prototype cars and the latest trends and uh, all the advancements in the world. I loved that stuff as a child, and I still love that. I, <clears throat> I get excited about new gadgets and new technologies and things that you're able to do. I, I love the fact that I can walk into my room and tell Alexa to do something. Like, that's kind of cool, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, I can turn the lights on with my voice and I can uh, play music and, and I can find out what the weather's gonna be like. And like, I love that. And here's the tension of this. We live in a time in history where our hope is often to return to the way things once were. We want to experience something maybe a little bit more quote unquote normal. And in church, this can be even more heightened. The, the tradition, the routine, the way we used to, we're used to doing church or the way we remember church being is incredibly strong because it's not just a memory, but we have deep, meaningful religious experiences tied to those memories. This month as a church, as I mentioned, we're, we're celebrating an incredible 50 years of ministry uh, 50 years of changing lives, 50 years of, uh, that includes miracles, stories of remarkable people and seemingly impossible moments where God showed up. I, I used to, uh, to love uh, being able to sit with Grace Hart. Her husband, Pastor David Hart, had started the church and being able to sit with Grace uh, before she passed away when she was still uh, attending and, and hearing the stories of the early years of Calvary and all the cool and amazing things that happened. As a youth pastor 17 years ago, it was an honor to sit under a man named Pastor Todd Nevue and to see his absolute love for the people of this church. And so the idea that nothing is new, everything that's old will be done again, is not only encouraging, but actually in some churches, it's become a battle cry. I'm thankful it's not a battle cry here at Calvary, uh, but, but it's a natural human response to all the change we've experienced over the last few years, and for us, all the change that's happened over the last 50 years of our history. If we could just recapture what we once had, we might think. If, if we could just see those stories repeated again, if, if we could have just the same passion or see the same results, that would be awesome. And, and I'd agree it would be so awesome, but this discounts a crucial trait of God. That God we serve isn't a God of the past. And here's a simple idea that I want to share with you today. That God is a creator, he's not a curator. He doesn't curate the past, he creates the future. You see, while Solomon wrote this statement from a pretty cynical perspective, the numerous other times throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, we see that in God's eyes, there is always something new under the sun. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 43, the prophet Isaiah that was writing to God's people who were exiled in Babylon. And in verse 19, he records these words of God that really pierce this idea of repeating the past or reliving what once was. Here's what he says in Isaiah 43, verse 18. He says, forget the former things. Can you say forget? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Can you say new thing? New thing. He's doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this verse because it isn't a promise that the future will be easy or simple. He is doing a new thing. It's a process. 
And not only that, but the new things God is often does takes us through wastelands, through the wilderness, through incredibly uncomfortable experiences and moments. What God is going to do in our church as we step into our sixth decade, what God is wanting to do in your life or your family, in this new world that we step into as we come out of a pandemic, all of it, it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be comfortable. And I promise you, it's not gonna be convenient. We have unfortunately adopted this mindset as Americans in 2022. If it doesn't fit, it must not be it. If it doesn't fit, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't fit me, it must not be it. But what God is, what God is doing will always put us beyond what fits. See, what if God is doing a new thing in your life? What, what, what if God is doing a new thing in our church, but to experience what God is creating, what if it's gonna cost you something? What if it's gonna stretch you and push you, make you uncomfortable? This is how God has made the world. New life is never experienced without the death of an old life. You you can't have new blossoms in the spring without the dead leaves of the fall. You you can't experience the beautiful garden in the summer without the death of the seeds in the spring. You you can't enjoy the beautiful sunrise as the sun rises in the horizon in the morning without the sun setting and the darkness of the evening. In your life, you won't experience the purposes, promises, and future God has for you until you can die to an old way of life. In the ESV version of the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God often leads us through a valley of death to our past to experience the mountain of blessing he has for our future. We love to talk about God's dreams. We love to talk about his hopes for our future. But we can easily miss what he calls us to lay down to experience that future. It's not just, you know, the, the uh, cotton candy that he's handing out to everybody freely. No, he asks us to pay something, to sacrifice, to get it. In Romans 8, 28, Paul wrote this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I wish, I wish that was a period, but it's not, it's a comma. And when there's a comma, that means there's something else to be said, right? It says, who have been called according to his purpose? His purpose, not our purpose. His purpose, not our purpose. What Paul wrote here can easily be missed. It's that God is working for good. He is doing something new, as Isaiah wrote, but that good requires us to lay down our purposes for the sake of his purposes. And the same is true for us as a church. The way we do church, the way we function as a church and strive to transform our community looks very different in so many ways than it did back in 1972 when our church first started. While the pictures, stories, and experience of those days are incredible to hear about, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that our church has changed and continues to change. Here's my hope. I would hope and pray that in our 75th year as a church, it looks nothing like it does today. Just look around. Take this mental picture. My hope is 75th looks nothing like this. Hopefully a lot of you are still here, but I would hope that we are doing what we are doing today and the good God is doing in 2022 
doesn't rob our church of what he wants to do in 2047. Even over the next year, our church is going to change. It's going to be uncomfortable, sometimes inconvenient. The year after that, here's the promise. It's going to change again. And the year after that, it's going to change. Because Solomon was wrong. When God is at work, there should always be something new under the sun. Why? Because God's a creator. He's not a curator. And this month, as we are turning the page in our church's history, we are going to celebrate, we're going to reminisce, we're going to enjoy these moments as we look back. But I promise you, this isn't a funeral. This, isn't, this is rather the turning of a page. We will look back, but we are doing so with a mindset that the future is bright. And it's bright not simply because of the people in this room, not, not because of the buildings that we sit in or the resources we are given to steward. The future is bright because of the God that we serve. He is a God that is constantly dreaming up new things that he can create through us to redeem the pain of our world, to transform the community around us, and to ultimately change us so that we can change the world. So, so here's why, why this is important as the worship team comes this morning. We're in the midst of a battle of sorts. It's a battle for your future. It's a battle for the future of the church. You see, you, you may not be proud of your past. There might be things that you wish didn't happen in your life or you wish happened differently. You, you might find yourself today living a life that you never anticipated. You never imagined this is where I would be, this is what I'd be doing. You're in a career or working a job you never thought you would be. You're, you're not in the place that you imagined you'd be at this point in your life. And all of that might be discouraging or disappointing to you. But let me remind you of something. God is a creator. He's not a curator. God is actively creating a future for you. Where you stand is not your final resting place. God is doing a new thing in your life. He is making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Or, or maybe, maybe you're here today and you're on the other side. You're looking at your past and wondering how the rest of your life could ever compare to it. It's been so good. You've lived a good life. You have a, an amazing past. This is where we find ourselves as a church. We are blessed with such a rich heritage. We have had some of the most godly, gifted men and women stand on this platform and share God's word over the last 50 years. Some of the best of the best lead this church over these last five decades. But in your life and for our church, God isn't finished. As good as the past can be as we look back and reflect, he's doing something even better, something entirely different than what the past has contained. See, God isn't a lazy creative. He doesn't just repeat the future. He, he creates the future. He creates, uh, in, in the uh, Greek it's called ex nihilo, means he creates out of nothing. He's the only being in the universe that can create out of nothing. God is creating a future for your life. I, I love this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. She, she said this, so the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. What a great quote. I wanna make one adjustment to it though. Here's the adjustment. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of God's dreams. See, God is a creator, not a curator. God has dreams for your life. 
He's creating a future. And, and that future is going to look different. You, you might be in a place where you're like, man, my life is really comfortable and things are really good. That's awesome. God's going to build on that. You might be in a place where you're really disappointed and discouraged how you found yourself in this place. Don't worry. He's still working. Like you're a work in progress. I love the analogy you see in scripture of, of, of us being the clay and he's the potter. Your clay might be marred. It's been dropped. It's been cut. You've lost some pieces. And it's just this blob of clay sitting there on the potter's wheel. And you wonder, how can anything good come out of this? I don't know if you've ever watched a potter work on a potter's wheel. It's amazing to watch how they can take something so ugly and horrible and and useless and, and worthless and make something that they would sell for high price because the value of the clay isn't found in the clay it's found in the one who's shaping the clay and in your life God is shaping the clay and it might hurt it might be uncomfortable I promise you it's going to cost you something but it takes us being willing to surrender to say God I surrender to you I give it to you I give my life my future to you because he wants to shape it because Solomon was wrong. The idea that nothing is new under the sun is such a lie that we believe too often. God can do things in your life as we read the New Testament that are beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. I love that verse. Our imagination can't even contain what God wants to do in your life. If you're willing to say, God, here I am again. It's Nick again on the potter's wheel. Man, I know I'm ugly. Things have not gone the way I'd planned. I'm marred. But God, I'm surrendering to you as the potter. Shape me, mold me, transform me. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, everything's great. I don't want to mess it up. Like, don't put me on that potter's wheel. I don't want to mess up because it's so, so perfect. That's great. But can I tell you, he can do even greater things because he's not finished with you. God has a bright future for each and every one of us. For us as a church, the next Years are going to look so different because the last 50 years look different. It's going to stretch us. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's okay because that's what God's called us to. He's called us to a future of reliance on him, surrendering to him, trusting him, and watching him build his church as we are faithful to serve and transform the community we're in. That's where we're at. And and here in a minute, we're going to sing a song together. As we sing this song, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to reflect, what do you need to surrender today? What is it you need to give up? What is it you need to lay down? What is it that you need to do to let the potter shape you? To create, not curate the past, not try to to recreate what once was with the clay, but to create something entirely new, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. What is it that you need to lay down and surrender? This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, 
a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 